At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward, even if they're just baby steps. We guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you. Listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence. You're listening to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast with Karen McMahon. We invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience. Heal your heart while refining your character and enable you to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. It's extraordinarily painful, but the divorce itself was this portal into understanding, you know, my own patterns and why I had chosen Diane even as a, you know, life partner. And, um, it was, it was a profound portal, um, to that kind of understanding and insight and forever grateful to you for the work we did together on that. And I will say alongside that, I w- it was a daily grappling of fear and my own, you know, um, you know, the, the chaos I felt in my head and heart around this whole situation and how to navigate that day in and day out. Welcome to Voices of Celebration. This series is designed to inspire and encourage you as we share real-life experiences of former Journey Beyond Divorce clients who invested in their personal growth through divorce and emerged a better version of themselves with a more rewarding post-divorce life. Welcome to Voices of Celebration, where we speak to former Journey Beyond Divorce clients and as they share their experience through divorce and the struggles that they faced and the growth that they experienced. Today with me is Monique, who I'm so excited to have uh, on to share her story. Welcome, Monique. Thank you so much. I'm really, I'm glad to be here, Karen. So, Monique, uh, can you give our listeners a little context before we start talking about how the journey was for you? Yeah, sure. Um, So my wife and I uh, were together for two years before we got married, and then we were married for two years and had our daughter, and then we separated when our daughter was two years old. So we were... um, in all together for six years and it took almost just as long to come apart. Um, Our divorce was extremely difficult and protracted. Um, We finally uh, signed our settlement agreement in 2018. So it's been about two years uh, since our final agreement was signed. 
So let's talk about going into it. I mean, obviously there was, with every couple, there's that friction that starts happening and you try to fix it. And then one or both parties come to the conclusion that fixing doesn't seem possible. Can you share a little bit about those early stages? Yeah, um, I would say that both my wife and I were um, had been talking about uh, separating and, and divorce for a while, probably a year uh, before we finally did it. We we came to that mutual decision in February of 2015, and then um, she came back to me as we had many times and, and wanted to try again. So we had been in this cycle of you know getting clear that this was not going to work, and then wanting to try again. And so when she approached me that time. Um, I said, of course, you know, we were, we wanted to do everything we possibly could. We were brand new parents and um, felt the heaviness of what that would do to our daughter of us coming apart. And so uh, we, we tried one last time and by May of that year, I felt like I was dying literally um, slowly. And I made the decision at that point, just unilaterally and said, I can't do this anymore. And then, uh, we stopped living together that July. And so we had been in this like very long-term cycle, probably more than a year of like talking this through and deciding coming back together. And it was very painful. And I finally just came to the conclusion, it was painful for both of us. And I came to the conclusion that raising our daughter, (coughs) excuse me, um, inside this marriage was going to be emotionally, um, very harmful and it was just a very toxic environment for all three of us and that it was really in the choice to leave that marriage that I was hoping we could get healthy enough to actually raise our daughter and um you know raise our daughter in an emotionally healthy situation and for the chance of all of us to be happy and that was really the spirit um and the intention with which I made the decision to leave the marriage And I remember that so clearly. I mean, with everyone who has children, and especially the younger the child, the the more heartache there is in making this decision. And I remember how clearly you had a vision of uh, working through the details and then being incredibly uh, amicable and having a family that was just restructured, but that really right. felt so whole for your daughter. And I also remember that there were a lot of, you know, there, as with so many, there was the marital home, there were the finances, there was the emotional um, challenges and balance or imbalance in that. And then there was Corinna, who you both had such a big, beautiful heart for. Uh, as you As you made that decision to definitely separate what were what were what would you say were two or three of the the biggest fears or struggles that you faced yeah I mean I can feel the emotion come up now because the decision was made with such hope that we could actually like figure out how to do this and um you know, lead with our best selves. And the emotion comes up because that is just not what happened. I think we um, very quickly each kind of retreated to our most fearful selves and um, wounded selves. And 
you know, it was those parts of ourselves that were disproportionately in the driver's seat throughout our process. Um, but in the early, early days, there was a lot of fear, but I would say more so there was just a lot of hope that we could figure out how we could, you know, she and I could no longer be each other's primary, um, you know, partner to get our needs met. And in the coming apart in that way, no longer having those expectations, we could restructure our relationship. Um, but, you know, she was just very hurt at my ultimate decision to leave. And she was in a very fearful place. And it was mostly around our daughter because she was not the biological mother. I had carried um, our daughter. And in my mind, there was no question that we were 100% equal co-parents. But she was so scared about and felt very insecure about her connection to Corinna, that she was just in this um, very fearful place and defensive place, and I couldn't get through to her. So one story that stands out, and this is when I first began to see glimpses of the very different path that we were on than what I had hoped, but I had gone to, my first attorney that I went to was very uh, well-known and well-respected in the LGBT community, um, and did a lot of family law. And I remember sitting across the table from her trying to walk through our scenario. And she essentially said, because of the difference in the amount of money we each had and sort of our uh, positions, we had bought a house and uh, Diane had, um, we co-owned the house, but she had bought it with, with her finances. So the house, it was an argument about whose house it was. And then the lawyer, as I was describing this, the lawyer said, you know, the only leverage you have is your biological connection to Corinna. And she actually said this to me. And she went so far as to say that there were courts in the state of New York who would not recognize Diane as a biological parent and that that was my leverage. And I will never forget you know, sitting across from this lawyer who I had sought out because of her reputation in the LGBT community to like help us navigate this, even uttering that suggestion to me, I, I couldn't handle it. And I, I left her office. I decided I would not work with her. It, I, I, I could not work with anyone who even like had that as a possibility. And her, I don't, I don't, I don't really, I couldn't fathom what why she could possibly say that given her reputation. It was just not even a possibility. And so I left that office and I actually went to Diane. I was, I was hysterical and I, um, I did not go to work that day. And I went to Diane, I will never forget. And I sat across from her and I said, this is the advice I just received from a lawyer. I, we will not do this. Right. We will never go down this road. Right. That is not where I want us to be in this process. And by that point, Diane couldn't hear me. She heard the attorney's strategy and she went into her own lockdown fear and you were appalled that someone would suggest using your child as a pawn in a negotiation. That, that's and, so heart-wrenching. And what was even, I mean, honestly, what was the worst part about that was just sitting across from Diane and the fact that I couldn't reach her, I couldn't, like, I was telling, I was like, you, like, do you forget who I am? Right. Like, you know me. Right. But by then I couldn't reach her. She was so, 
scared and we couldn't actually um, come together in this moment. And that was the worst moment of the entire process, frankly, is to realize like how fear had, had already gripped her. And then I, of course, not of course, but I retreated into my own fear right. and said, if I can't, if we can't even connect in this, in these early moments around something as profound as our daughter and to know that there were some things through this process that were going to be sacred. Right. I really lost a lot of hope for where we were going. Um, so we started off in mediation and that was not good for us. Um, we eked out an initial, uh, uh, like a preliminary agreement about our parenting schedule, which was 50-50, and our um, housing arrangement, which we were going to nest, keeping Corinna stable in right. our home, because, of course, she was only two years old at the time. Right. Um, but despite eking out that agreement, it was very clear mediation was not going to work for us. So then we each got lawyers, and we engaged in a collaborative law process for more than two years. And um, the thing that, that was, yeah, yeah, the thing that I remember, I, I, I'm not remembering when um, we started working together in the process, but I do remember that that I'm going to call it dance of fear that kind of went through the entire process and you had agreements and then you didn't have agreements and you worked so much on your fear and the root of it and 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 made such strides in uh noticing your kind of historical patterns and how to change those and I'm wondering if you could chat a little bit about that yeah I mean it's extraordinarily painful, but the divorce itself was this portal into understanding, you know, my own patterns and why I had chosen Diane even as a you know life partner. And um, it was it was a profound portal um, to that kind of understanding and insight. And forever grateful to you for the work we did together on that. And I will say alongside that, I it was a daily grappling of fear and my own, you know, um, you know, the, the chaos I felt in my head and heart around this whole situation and how to navigate that day in and day out. And um, that was very, it was just a constant roller coaster. So it's like alongside the growth, there was like the day-to-day decision-making about how to navigate this. And um, I feel like many days I was just very, I held tightly. I was clenched. I was like a profound lack of imagination or feeling that I had choices, you know, like I couldn't, I couldn't access my imagination to actually solve the problems. And I feel like that's where you came in, like in addition to like the deep growth and like really understanding my own patterns right. and my personal um, dynamics that I was bringing to this relationship and this situation. I think the other piece of our work together that I was so grateful for was um, just the dis 
how to ride and navigate that roller coaster in the day in and day out because there are big decisions and big choices as you're trying to find this settlement but there's also day to day how how am i interacting with this other person who is parenting you know co-parenting our child and um so it was all of that it really was all of that and yeah i feel like as much growth as i was doing alongside that i was it was a constant battle around my own fear around what was happening and where we were heading Absolutely. And I think that, you know, you're, you're in such good company. I mean, so many people you have, you have the legal and the practical, you have the day-to-day practical. And then for those who do the work, you have this emotional and what you're describing, I just want to say to our listeners, when you're in fear and conflict, it's so hard to see choice. It's so hard to see a perspective other than the one that you're locked in. And so often, I remember our conversations would begin with, Karen, I'm locked in this, this perspective and I can't make my way out. And then we would unweave it and start connecting some dots and you would be able to kind of levitate to a higher emotional energy where you could see choice, where you could see totally. other possibilities. And that's, that's as hard to do by yourself as like drowning in the ocean and waving off the lifeguard and saying, I've got this. It's like you're drowning and you right. need that support. And that's the thing. Like I can honestly say, like I could not have done that without <laughs> a support partner on the outside who's like helping me stand on the balcony, you know, right. to see. Right. The, the, the broader perspective, because I was just stuck, you know, on the dance floor in the intimate struggle. Yes. Um, and I really needed a partner and you were that partner to really um, get perspective. And again, like in the day to day, but also the bigger picture and the struggles around the house. Um, you know, there was never any struggle around custody with our daughter, but there were lots of parenting decisions along the way that we were navigating together in the day to day and, um, how, how to do that. I feel like you helped me figure out how to do that and more consistently lead with not only more choices, but more imagination of like, how can we, um, do this without being gripped with, you know, our, our most fearful reactionary selves. Right. Um, And even in the day to day with Corinna, I know that there were, there were, there was so much fear on both sides in terms of the relationship you had with her and the finances that played into that in terms of the, the material support that she got. And then when she was in two different households, like, and so many yes. parents experience this and it's like you don't want it to be a competition and yet in our hearts we're so afraid of losing love that it's like my mind knows it isn't a competition but my heart is so scared and i think that exactly. that's that's universal yeah 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 i mean i remember conversations we had i mean again she was 2 years old and she would be you know with me at my house and she would say, you know, I miss mommy, I want to go to mommy's house, which was Diane. I I was mama. And it's like, you know, it's not personal, you know, but your heart is, you know, aching 
and not even sure what to do. You know, do you, how do you respond? Um, so it's like, I think through our work, I gained, um, perspective for sure, but it also is like learning how to hold myself through this. Um, and also hold Corinna, like the spaciousness and capacity to do both. And I think the other piece that I recall was when you come from a family where, um, and, and this was my experience as well, where my relationship with my mom was kind of broken. And then, and then all of a sudden you're a parent and you're trying to do it better. And now you're in a situation where there's the split and the child's asking for the other parent. And so much can come up both with what's currently going on and our past, right? Like those are the roots that we try to approve. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and in going there and really understanding all the ways that we, we create our family of origin dynamics in our present day families, like it really gave me the, the compassion um, both for myself, but also for Diane yes. to, um, you know, as a balance, I, it didn't take away the anger. It didn't take away the fear always, but it softened it and it created another um, a, a counterbalance to also, you know, remember each of our own humanities and to like hold that with some compassion and not be so um, fully immersed in my own anger. Yeah, because we all come with our own wounds or brokenness. And when you can keep a soft heart that the person that you fell in love with and decided to marry isn't bad or evil, they're just reacting out of that they're not their best self, right? And having that soft heart does um, can go a long way in in navigating this. And I feel like our meet our our meetings were like building that muscle. You know what I mean? It was like there was a regular touch point that I had with you that I could just like tap into that space right. and that mindset, um, which was like a buoy, a buoy, a buoy, a buoy, <laughs> a buoy yes. um, in these like very, very rough waters. Yeah. Calming the chaos of divorce begins with quieting your mind and getting clear on what you want and how to get it. That's why we created the Divorce Survival Kit. It's an easy-to-digest guide with five essential tips that help transform your suffering into valuable insights and your confusion into effective action. So go to DivorceRecoveryLifeline.com and grab your Divorce Survival Kit today. I remember that your home was a place where you had designed and put your heart and soul into. And, and I believe we did quite a lot of uh, coaching around what would it look like if you stayed? What would it look like if you le left? And that was also a very emotional um, place for you. Yeah, that was the core of our struggle uh, between Diane and I, and I mean, it was both literal in terms of like sense of security and a, and a stable home, but it also was like highly symbolic in terms of um, 
what our home represented and in particular represented for me um, more than what I even was conscious of. But um, so Diane and I, before we had our daughter, we bought a home together um, uh, in Brooklyn and we had a very uh, different financial uh, situation when we came together. She, she had significantly more um, money than I did. And that was uh, a dynamic in our relationship always that I um, wish I had navigated differently. Just, I, 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 uh, I never sort of sorted out what my relationship was to her money mm. in a way that was actually fair. Like we, we put in an equal amount of money into our household, she and I, even though we were on fundamentally different standings. And I just um, hadn't spent enough time doing that work before we got married to actually um, uh, figure out a a better way to navigate that. And so when we divorced, we had bought this house. She had bought it with her own money, um, but we were both on the title. And when we first bought the house, it was the first time that we were going to live sort of at her income level rather than mine. And I told her how uncomfortable I was creating a home, buying a home, creating a home that was going to be hers and not ours. And I felt like I, I, especially this was the home we were going to raise our children in, you know, and that it needed to be both of ours. And um, we had a lot of discussion. By that point in our marriage, we had gotten clearer about that. And we had a lot of discussion and, uh, I insisted to have my name on the title and that this was, we were going to just, as we had made the decision to have a child together, we were going to create this home together. And it was all sort of together. When we divorced, Diane again was in this very, um, fearful and defensive place. And she, in a fit of anger at me, I think for making the decision to leave the marriage, um, threatened to throw me out on the street. And that I, she said that I had no legal rights to our home and that it was her home. And um, she said this in a moment of anger and um, that threw me into a tailspin. Yeah. And I think this is a very poignant example of, of where, um, how we get stuck in this wounded place. I, I didn't believe she would ever do that, but I let myself take in that threat. And then I reacted from that place, which was to go find an attorney and find out what my legal rights were to the house. And so I maintained a position in reaction to that threat, um, even though like underneath my fear, I didn't believe she would ever do that. It was a moment, but that spiraled us. And so she was more and more defensive. I was more and more defensive. And we struggled for years, literally years around this house and what to do with this house. And the more and more we struggled, the, the more I was gripped around that house and could not see other opportunities to sort of reimagine a sense of stability uh, for myself and Corinna, other than being in that house. And we had bought that house together, renovated it, spent it over a year and a half. And I designed every inch of that house. And it was a labor of love. I I loved that home. I still love that home. Um, 
And so I felt a deep attachment. I had poured, so not my money, but I had poured like time, energy, blood, sweat, and tears into this home to make it, make it ours. So it was a very big struggle. And I remember a lot of the work you and I were doing was um, just sorting out, like what are my attachments to that home? Why am I gripping with all of my might and can't, you know, you help me imagine other possibilities and explore other possibilities, including um, including actually looking at other homes, you know, just to, if, you know, if not to make the final decision that way, but just to have developed and invested in my own imagination, other possibilities yes. for a stable life, because the only one I could see was the only one, was the one that I knew. Right. And that was just not a healthy place to make any kind of decisions. Um, whether I stayed or, or, or left the home was like almost beside the point. It was really about like my process and holding on and feeling like that was literally my only option because that's what it felt like. And, you know, these all these years later, I can look back and see how irrational that was in some ways. But again, when you're in the midst of this struggle, like the whole thing is irrational, or at least in my case, like it was very, very hard to stay grounded in a more rational place. The fakes, the the stakes felt so high. And it's that that's the key. It's like the whole concept is bringing down the emotional overwhelm so that you can be more logical in your thinking. And no matter how hard we try, it's just the biggest and most uh, overwhelming transition we will ever go through. And so there's, there's, you do the best you can with what you have. And, you know, I'll say to you, Monique, you, you rolled your sleeves up and you showed up at every session and you worked really, really hard. And I know there's so much more that we could talk about. I, I would love to shift to here you are post-divorce. Um, you just made a really interesting statement, which is I see things now that I didn't see then. Can you share um, what I typically ask is, you know, did your fears come true? But rather than that, I, I almost want to ask like, what did you imagine or fear that now where you are now, you see uh, either it, it, it unfolded beautifully and yet differently than you expected or anything along those lines that you could share with our listeners that would encourage them? Yeah, a couple of things come to mind. Um, at this stage, which again, I'm two years past our signing of our, our settlement agreement. So, um, which feels like a lifetime, um, truly. Uh, so I guess like number one, things really do get better, even as excruciating and protracted and impossible and surreal as it feels when you're in the midst of it. Um, so I just want to say that plainly. But I think what I can see now was like the degree to which my longing during that whole process, my longing for um, to be in a collaborative process with Diane was driving so much and making it so impossible because she just, I, I refused to see that she was not interested or willing or able to be in a collaborative process with me. And I came to understand like that longing was actually not even about Diane. Like that was something I carried into the relationship. Right. And as long as I held on to the picture of what I thought our divorce was going to be <laughs> in terms of working together, restructuring our family and being collaborative um, 
it wasn't until I, I could I could see and let go of that longing and figure out how to come to peace on my own and to find resolution on my own and not with Diane that I felt like I moved forward in meaningful ways. I could move forward in meaningful ways. And just a quick, like, concrete example of what I meant, like, at our home, we... Uh, we uh, lived in the top two floors and we rented out our bottom floor. It was a separate apartment. And my fantasy was that Diane would live in one part of the home and I would live in the other. You know, one of us would live upstairs, one of us would live downstairs. And then, you know, Corinna could just move literally up and down <laughs> a flight of stairs. And I held on to this fantasy for so long. Yeah. Um, and Diane... We started off that way and it was very clear to Diane that that was ridiculous. And she unilaterally decided to move out one day and find her own place. And that hurt me so bad because again, it wasn't collaborative. Like we weren't making these decisions together and it hurt so bad. But then, you know, from this pretty clearly, um, uh, I can see even, you know, while we were in the process, like that was absolutely the right decision. Absolutely the right decision. There was no question about it, but I couldn't get there on my own. And there were many other examples of where Diane, for any number of reasons, made a unilateral decision about where we would go in the process. And even like she, she got a divorce lawyer and served me divorce papers without telling me after being in a collaborative process for years. Uh, And she made those decisions unilaterally, which were so painful and felt so punitive in the moment. But from this vantage point, looking back, it was the right decision. Like we were stuck in these processes and I was holding on to something that was just not possible for us, given who we are and the people that we are. So many other examples of that. But, um, you know, the, the long story short was that You know, I, I don't even know how to summarize the lessons, but you know, one of them was just you don't always know in the moment, right. in the midst of the struggle, um, what the best decisions are. <laughs> and having outside perspective um, feel is really helpful, and also um, trust that. I, I don't know. I, honestly, Karen, I'm not sure I have the words yeah, for it. Yeah, and I you can help me. Yeah, absolutely. Because really, what you're describing, and and so many people go through this, is you have your vision and the resistance that comes with yeah. opening up to something else, and yet here yes. you're saying, had I been able to shift from my resistance to an acceptance that it's going to unfold and not always in my way, but but maybe perhaps in the best way. And that's that's such a big part of what we talk to people about is shifting from noticing your resistance, understanding where it comes from, and then yes. that, that opening up, uh, which that, that letting go a little bit, that surrendering to how it's going to unfold. And what you're saying is just beautiful because you're, you're saying now, a couple of years post-divorce, I can look back and I can see that while I might not have let go of the resistance because of the unilateral decisions of Diane, things began to unfold and it was okay and maybe even good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, and then the other thing I'll lift up is just the fact that, um, you know, I finally was able to move to a place where whatever is happening between Diane and I in terms of our struggle or in terms of our lack of alignment is not sort of the primary touchstone with which I go about my days. I mean, there are days that I just, I, it, it doesn't, I don't even think about her. And our struggle is just sort of like, you know, it hasn't gone away, but it's just taken up less space in my life. I mean, and that is just amazing because that was the primary lens through which I was going about most of my days during that struggle. And to be in a place now where I've accepted who she is and have is not hoping to her to change and under accepting who I am and not waiting for me to change or getting to trying to get to some other place than other, other than where we are has actually like turned down the heat. And so we're not in constant struggle anymore and that my own internal sense of myself or how I'm doing is no longer connected to my relationship with her as it was for so long and I think that just comes again with like acceptance like accepting who I am accepting who she is but accepting like what is possible between us and not like having that longing to change it I feel like you know, two years out, I can honestly say, like, I I have arrived, and it's not without effort, you know, but it's not the struggle it once was by any stretch. And I think that word alone is so encouraging to people, and you, you, you cannot get there without doing that internal work, without letting go of fear, of expectation of all of these other things that just come along with the way that we were raised and how we navigate life. And can, can you just, can you um, speak a little bit as we wrap up about, what would you say, um, what would you say were the 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 unexpected gifts that um, that came through the difficult process in terms of your own growth and and then I'm going to ask you to just leave our listeners with some words of encouragement. Okay. Um, unexpected growth. I mean, there really, truly was so much. Um, I feel more settled in my skin, which is saying a lot, given how profoundly um, difficult and even traumatic, I would say, the divorce felt at the time. I feel like I understand and know myself at a depth, again, that I don't think I could have or would have without this process. And it's not the process in and of itself, but the opportunity to make meaning and make connections that I think is the work that we did together, Karen. Like it is because of that work that I can actually feel and touch inside myself, like the shifts that happened um, as a result of this process, instead of there just being that very painful, uh, that painful experience. So I think being settled, more settled in who I am, understanding who I am, as well as my dynamic with Diane, which again, hasn't changed, but the, the way in which it manifests in my spirit and in my life is what has changed. Like she and I have not changed, but it takes up a different space. Um, 
And then I think too, like understanding, like during this process, I was becoming a new parent. You know, I'd never had a child before. Um, Corinna was my first and um, understanding all the ways that I, that all the ways that I had been parented, I was bringing to this relationship with Diane and my parenting with Corinna. And so the level of awareness that I could move through this journey of becoming a parent, I think is one of the other unexpected gifts that came through our work together. Um, we talked a lot about parenting and how you parent through the divorce process. And um, in doing that, we explored a lot of, you know, what I was bringing into that um, from my own childhood. And that was a very unexpected gift. I'm so grateful for that. Um, and then I think this is a little hard to put to words, but just it gave me the fact that I was actively working, trying to make meaning for myself and trying to um, grow through the process gave me something productive to do. And it kept me engaged in a way that was um, growthful and positive and productive. Like I was actually working it and doing something with all that the divorce was churning up in terms of difficult emotions and difficult decisions. And it was all, I would, you provided a container through which I could actually do something productive with all of that. And I don't want to like sugarcoat it. It didn't, it's not, it wasn't like make it all worth it or anything like that. Of course, I would never want to go through this again, but it gave me an opportunity and a focus and a space to actually do something productive with all that was coming through this process. And so grateful for that. And again, not something I could have done alone. Yeah. It just wasn't. I, I didn't have enough perspective uh, to be able to recognize and work with what was coming up. And, you know, I think as you're saying that, the, the, what comes to mind for me is the, the, the process, uh, legal process, practical process, feels so disempowering to all of us. And, and, and our desire at Journey Beyond Divorce is to help people stand in their power. And you just described it beautifully by being able to focus on the one thing that you had control of, which was what's coming up for me and what do I want to do about it? You were very empowered within yourself through the process. So you were able to do a lot because you were doing for you as opposed to trying to manipulate the, the situation. Right. Yeah. So the folks listening in, Monique, are in the early stages. They're in the middle of the long, dark tunnel or just entering it. And one of the things I like to end uh, these episodes with is just your words of encouragement or wisdom to those listening in. Um, I'll just start in a funny place, but I, I didn't feel, I had never heard of a divorce coach before. I saw you at an event on a panel, never even occurred to me there was such a thing. And, you know, I was very scared about money at that moment. I felt like I couldn't even afford an attorney, let alone like a divorce coach on top of it. And I can say it was like the best money I ever, ever spent because it was ultimately an investment in myself. And really 
taking the process, you know, the reins, taking the situation, taking reins, putting them in my own hands and not just getting support to navigate everything beyond the legal, the technical legal, but, you know, in terms of the day-to-day navigating of decisions we've talked about, but it also was like an insistence that I am going to move through this process in a way that I can hold on to as much integrity as I possibly can and do the work that ensures that I come out of this process stronger and clearer about who I am, who I want to be in the world, the parent I want to be, even the co-parent to Diane that I want to be going forward. Um, The divorce is an opportunity as excruciating and painful as it is for so many, and it was certainly for me, it is also an opportunity to do deeper work than uh, most most other opportunities offer. And so um, I just would encourage folks to consider the opportunity before you and not just the pain and the um, difficulty and to make space to invest in yourself through this process. And I think it will have the benefit of of helping you navigate the process in a much um, clearer, more healthy and productive way. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, I did this because our work was so meaningful and um, I think everyone should have this have this opportunity. So thank you, Karen. Thank you so much. I adore you. Um, I am so honored and appreciative that you came on to speak with me and all of our listeners. And I wish you just a lifetime of joy with Corinna and, and with everything in your future. You've done amazing work. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. And we'll be back uh, for our next episode. So stay tuned. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.